Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to episode 19 of the Snyder Cut. I am your very handsome host, even though you can't tell, Jeff Snyder, senior film reporter here at Collider. Still not 100%. Got a little sick over Thanksgiving. I think something's going around, guys. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday. Mine was delightful, other than fighting off uh, the cold from hell. I got to meet my new niece, MJ Marlo James, which was very exciting. I haven't held a newborn in God knows how long. Um, yeah, had some good food, some good times with people. And I hope that your holiday was just equally merry and that you stayed healthy. Um, we're going to jump right in here. There is actually, I thought it was a slow news week, and then in reviewing everything, because I guess I've been gone for two weeks, missed that last crucial week before Thanksgiving, uh, we're going to try to do a quick recap of everything, and then for the second half of the show, rather than do like an interview with anybody, I'm going to run down my top 25 Fox Searchlight movies in honor of the studio's 25th anniversary uh, I went to the the holiday party last night. It just got me thinking about all the incredible movies that Fox Searchlight has made. So we're going to run those down. And let me tell you, there were some tough cuts to be made. Um, but anyways, let's is, let's start with like just the news. Uh, let's let's run down some news. Stephen Graham joined the cast of Venom Two. Uh, he plays Tony Pro in The Irishman, and I actually think he probably gives like the second best performance in the film. Again, De Niro and Pacino were good, but these are the best actors ever. In my opinion, those are the top. It goes De Niro, Pacino, Jack Nicholson, Dustin Hoffman, Tom Hanks. Those are like the top five actors for, for me. All due respect to, uh, you know, Olivier and, and people like that. Um, and, and yet, and yet, I thought Joe Pesci and Stephen Graham gave the, the best two performances in the movie. Now Stephen Graham is going to bring his intensity over to Venom 2. He uh, worked with Tom Hardy on Taboo, the FX series, and I never really watched that one. But to me, Stephen Graham is one of the best character actors working today. I have loved his work for close to 15 years. I mean, I know he was in Snatch, but it wasn't really till This Is England uh, that he that he landed on my radar. So good as Combo in that. And uh, yeah, he's just like a little, he's like a powder keg. Because I don't think he's like a big guy, but he, he is still very intimidating. So hopefully, I don't know what role he's playing in Venom 2. is a mystery role. Um, they already have two villains with, with uh, Woody Harrelson playing Carnage and Naomi Harris playing Shriek. So I don't know where he fits into things. I don't know who Venom typically squares off against. I hope he's a villain cause just because I, I think he is awesome in that way. But, um, you know, he could end up being something completely different. Uh, Joe Johnston, who directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which even though I got that question wrong on the Schmodown, it used to be one of my favorite movies as a kid. I used to watch it all the time. I'd love to revisit that one, actually. He is coming back to direct the new Variety called it a reboot. It's more like a sequel, really. He's directing the new film, Shrunk, which is going to star Josh Gad. Josh Gad is going to be playing the son of Wayne Zielinski, who was uh, Rick Moranis' scientist character who accidentally shrunk his his kids. Uh, I think Josh Gad is going to be doing the same thing in this movie. So it's like a reboot, yet it's not because... I mean, they could technically bring back Rick Moranis. I mean, I know Rick Moranis, Moranis is retired, but if Disney threw some money his way, you know, he's like he's getting up there. Maybe he's thinking about his children. I don't know. Uh, maybe Josh Gad just has the – maybe he's the Rick Moranis whisperer. It would be great to see a Rick Moranis cameo in this. But I love that, that Disney's doing right by Joe Johnston. This is a guy who directed Captain America, the first Avenger for Marvel, and then – like didn't do anything you'd think he'd be in like super high demand after that but no he ended up doing this low budget Blumhouse movie called Not Safe for Work that nobody saw I saw it but uh, but nobody really saw it and then he just got called in to, to finish uh, the Nutcracker film for, for Disney when Lassie Hallstrom's schedule prevented him from uh, doing the reshoot so yeah, you know, he, he does this big Captain Marvel, uh, sorry, Captain America thing for them, then comes in to save their ass on Nutcracker, not that it really mattered either way. So it's nice to see Disney sort of uh, paying it forward, bringing back Joe Johnston. He excels at doing family movies. Uh, he did, you know, Jumanji, The Page Master, a bunch of others. So 
listen, I'm a big Josh Gad fan. I am looking forward to this. As long as it sort of captures that same spirit and, and tone as the original, I know the sequels uh, weren't quite as good. And it's like, I hope they don't like CGI it too much because some of the practical effects in that original movie were just uh, awesome. Uh, West Ball, they are bringing into do a new Planet of the Apes movie. We don't know if he, this is going to be like launch a new trilogy or maybe it's a, a solo movie, a standalone, or maybe it's going to continue the Caesar movies that Matt Reeves and Rupert Wyatt did with uh, with Andy Serkis. I hope that they don't go in that direction just because, you know, Wes Ball is a, is a world builder, and I hope that they let him do his own thing. I think that the Caesar story sort of, found, you know, Matt Reeves brought that to uh, a logical conclusion. So as much as I'd like to see Andy Serkis playing an ape again, I mean, God, he was amazing. We, we talked about him for Oscars. Uh, I hope that West Ball, yeah, gets to do his own thing. Remember, Disney had shut down Mouse Guard, which you know, I know uh, some people were really looking forward to that movie. And, and it, I'll tell you, what I saw looked really cool when, they, when West Ball ultimately released all the stuff that he'd been working on for it. But, you know, I am a business. Uh, I cover the business of Hollywood and I, I can't say I, I would argue with Disney's decision to shut down that movie at a cost of like $175 million plus. I think West Ball maybe, maybe disputed that budget figure, but I, you know, it would have been pretty high, a pretty sizable investment with P&A and everything. And yeah, it's, it's tough, uh, an original, a tough original IP to launch. Remember the tale of Despero? No, you don't. Um, the Dowdle Brothers. This is an odd choice. They're doing a new Friday Night Lights movie. This, this, you know, Friday Night Lights. It's a great title. It's a great property. I never really watched the show, but I dug the the, the movie with um with Billy Bob and the and the explosions and the sky soundtrack and everything. Here's the the catch with this one. Uh, they say it's based on the the Buzz Bissinger book, but I don't like. I, I, is it is it going to be about Booby Miles? Is it going to be about Permian or Odessa? I, I, they just basically just want to take Friday Night Lights and put you know make another football movie in a, in a small uh, Texas town to see how you know the football team and its fortunes uh, affect daily life in this small town. I, I listen. I, I'm all for it. Um, the Daddle Brothers are are a bit of an odd choice, but they're also decent filmmakers. Like I could have seen that. Going, I don't know, to, to somebody who I may not have enjoyed their stuff. I, I like what they've done. They just don't scream Friday Night Lights to me. But, I'm, you know, depending on what the story is, I'm down to check that out. Um, Elizabeth Banks doing The Invisible Woman. The timing of this announcement was very interesting to me, considering it was in the wake of uh, Charlie's Charlie Angel's uh, completely bombing. That That's a story that the month's... Sorry, that the months that the trades have been sitting on for months. I sat on that invisible woman story for God knows how long. Um, and it drives me crazy because it's like it was probably true seven months ago when I was asking about it. So, like, I don't know. Like, you have this invisible man movie that looks awesome. You're kind of confusing me with now doing an invisible woman that has nothing to do with the invisible man. Because a lot of people, I think, were assuming that Elizabeth Moss might become the invisible woman afterwards. That's not the case, I guess. Um, it's, I know, it's like, was this something that Universal wanted out there? Or was this something that Elizabeth Banks is like, oh, you know, her team, <laughs> did they push for this announcement in the wake of a, a huge bomb like Charlie's Angels? Where they're like, you know, we've lined up another studio gig for her. So, well, again, this was done a long time ago when people maybe still had hopes for, for Charlie's Angels, though I, I wisely never did. Um, Jason Blum and Charles Randolph working on a WeWork movie about the drama surrounding that uh, embattled commercial real estate company. I don't know that I necessarily dig Charles Randolph's whole formula. I wasn't, uh, I didn't, I, I liked the big short, but I didn't flip for it like most people in Bombshell. Uh, you know, you've, you've heard me on FYC rail against that one. I just didn't care for it. What is interesting about this is that Charles Randolph, he did Bombshell. Jason Blum did the other Roger Ailes, The Loudest Voice, that, that Showtime series. So it's odd that like the two of them are now teaming up. I wonder if there's any uh, animosity around them since, it, it, you know, I don't know if The Loudest Voice is going to garner awards traction like I thought it would. I mean, it, I guess it just missed the cutoff for this year's Emmys. And so by waiting for next year, like, that's going to be kind of an afterthought, I would imagine, particularly in the wake of, of Bombshell, uh, which is too bad because The Loudest Voice is far superior. But I wonder if they're, like, sort of trading notes. Like, ah, oh, if Charles Randolph gets nominated for an Oscar this year, if Jason Blum is like, oh, man, 
<laughs> we we, we should have qualified for this year's Emmys. Um, there's a reality winner movie in the works. When I saw a reality winner movie, I was thinking, what show? What show are they doing a, a movie about the, the winner? Uh, that's not the case. Reality winner, I guess, was like an American intelligence officer formerly. She, I think she's currently in jail. But she sort of leaked uh, the fact that Russia had interfered with our election. And I don't know, when you say leaked, did, I mean, she's not a journalist, so she wasn't like uncovering it, ex- exposing it, uh, confirming it, whatever. Was Who was trying to keep this from us? Like, did the gov- was the government aware of it, or was, were Facebook and these other tech companies aware of this, and they just didn't want to say anything because it would make us doubt the sanctity of our elections and democracy and everything? I think it's actually a really interesting topic to explore. Uh, and Big Beach is going to do it. They're the company behind A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and The Farewell, and they're teaming up with Susanna Fogel, who co-wrote Booksmart and uh, directed Life Partners. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more interested in that one than a We Work movie. John Turturro cast as gangster Carmine Falcone in Matt Reeves' Batman movie. Uh, man, remember when I, was, when I had said that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was going to play a Falcone, Alberto Falcone, in The Dark Knight Rises? I actually went through all my old, or at least half of my old varieties last night. You wouldn't believe the stuff that's in there, guys. In fact, let me let me. I took a bunch of pictures. I threw out like maybe half the issues and, and kept a bunch because I have some cool bylines in them. But I took a lot of pictures for, of stories that just like kind of blew my mind. Uh, so so that's sort of one. <laughs> Obviously, I had to keep that uh, from from my horrible error. This was Darren Aronofsky directing Mark Wahlberg and Matt Damon in The Fighter. Imagine what that would have looked like uh, without Christian Bale or David O. Russell. There's there's so many years. Um, oh, everyone testing for like the female lead in, in Oblivion, which I had said is no longer going to be called Oblivion. It obviously was called Oblivion. This one from Justin Kroll. This is either I think 2007 or 2011. Yeah, I don't. I think it's 2011. Viggo Mortensen has ended negotiations for the role of the Huntsman in Snow White and the Huntsman. Imagine that movie if Viggo Mortensen had been in the, there in place of Chris Hemsworth. So weird. Um, so that's just some of the uh, the examples that, you know, sometimes these trade stories work out and sometimes they don't. Um, so, yeah, Alberto Falcone, that is probably one of my biggest regrets as a film reporter. But nonetheless, John Turturro going to be playing Carmine Falcone in this movie. And I dig it. John Turturro, great actor. He was so good in, in The Night Of, so good in a bunch of Coen Brothers movies, Spike Lee. Like, they, those guys just know how to use him. And I think uh, Matt Reeves... He he could he could have something special there, you know. Car- Carmine Falcone is a is a villain definitely open uh, to interpretation. Kroll uh, had dropped an interesting story uh, right before Thanksgiving about DC and what the future of that universe look may look like, particularly with regards to J.J. Abrams, whose Bad Robot signed a huge mega deal with Warner Media. It's funny. A week before, I had actually heard that. And, and Bad Robot, you know, they denied this. They're like, listen, we haven't been presented with anything. You guys, you may actually know more than us at this point. But I've heard that, that Warner Brothers is planning to give Green Lantern to Bad Robot. Uh, obviously, J.J. Abrams has a ton of experience with, with space, having done Star Trek and these, spa- these Star Wars movies now. So before they give him Superman, which is the one that everyone sort of assumed that he would be getting... And I think he may still ultimately get it unless Christopher Nolan wants it. Uh, it sounds like J.J. Abrams probably won't direct, but will put his imprint on Green Lantern. And I don't know if it's still Green Lantern core. That's what I thought that it was. Um, the, obviously, Greg Berlanti is still doing a TV series. I don't know if Berlan- Berlanti was supposed to be involved in a movie as well. I, I can't imagine that that, uh, that project is big enough for, for the two of them. But you never know. So, yeah, keep an eye on Green Lantern because it sounds like it could be end up being a bad robot thing. Um, let's see. The Irishman dropped some numbers. Netflix put out some numbers today. You know, you always have to take the numbers with a grain of salt. And, and, I, and I think that their metric calls for – actually, I don't know if Netflix put the numbers – I think it was Nielsen that put the numbers out. And Netflix has disputed those numbers in the past, although people have disputed Netflix's uh, numbers on their own. Either way, $17 million over five days seems like a good number for a three-and-a-half-hour gangster movie starring a bunch of 70-year-olds. 
Um, you know, I think I think uh, I I started watching it with my family. They paused it about two hours in. I I think that one of them went back to finish it. I don't know if the other brother did. Dad watched it on his own. I mean, everyone's just saying it's too long. And even I was talking to a very prominent Oscar blogger last night uh, at the Fox Searchlight Holiday Party who just said, I watched it a second time, and you really feel the length that second time. Um, again, I, I don't think that it, that it has a shot at Best Picture. I think people are smoking crack. It can win all the critics' awards that it wants, but critics don't vote for the Oscars. And critics also get together, and these critic circles decide. There's like you know an hour-long debate in the room about whether they're going to give their Best Picture to and why. And what does it mean? What are they saying with their choice? That is not how the Academy works. Everybody votes in a vacuum. Sure, the I'm sure the voters are talking to each other. But, you know, it, it really is like you can say whatever you want. You can say whatever you want to a friend at a screening, to a journalist who calls. Uh, but when you are filling out that ballot, just like when you're voting for the president, it's all you. It's, you, are, you are alone in that booth. And no one, you know, you, you could go in there and, and tell your friends, yeah, I voted for Hillary. And then you voted for Trump, which, is, which would not be a good decision, by the way. But, uh I'm sure there were people that did that who selfishly said, yeah, I'm going to vote for Trump because it benefits my tax bracket or whatever the hell it is, you know. And, but they told people, oh, I voted for Hillary. Don't worry. So I think the same thing is it's not unique to politics. I think the same thing happens with Oscars. Uh, and, I, and I just don't see the Irishman in any world pulling off a Best Picture win. I'm sorry. I don't think women are responding to it. Uh, I, I think that older people are responding to it differently than younger people. And as we know, the Academy is getting younger. Yeah, it's still old and it's still majority is white and male. But you can't just discount these 700, 800, 900 new voters that have been coming in the last few years. It's insanity to assume that the Academy of today is the Academy of five years ago. It's not. So we will see what happens with The Irishman, but I'm telling you, Netflix is just throwing money after money after money to try to buy this Oscar, and it's not going to matter. Uh, and plus, they, it just appeals to the same kind of voter as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and eventually that kind of voter is going to have to make a choice. Um, on TV, Woody Harrelson and Justin Thoreau doing the White House Plumbers. This is not actually about plumbers. This is about... You know, uh, Nixon's sort of lieutenants and right hands who uh, got themselves, you know, mixed up in, in Watergate. And it sounds just really interesting. I mean, the last time Woody did, you know, a big HBO project uh, with, with a prominent uh, co-star, it was True Detective. And look how that worked out. So I got a good feeling about this White House Plumbers. It's an interesting project. Um, was there any other interesting news? I don't really think so. Well, Charlie Kaufman wrote a novel about a failed film critic. I think it's called Ant Kind. It sounds very Charlie Kaufman-ish. I will, I'm down to check it out. I mean, it sounds super weird. Like, I'm hit and miss with Charlie Kaufman. Some of it is brilliant. I'm really actually looking forward to his, his, his new uh, Netflix movie with, uh, with Jesse Buckley filling in for Brie Larson and Jesse Plemons. just sounds really uh, messed up, and I think he totally took that novel that it's based on and, and took it apart and, and redid it his way. But on the other hand, there's a lot of Charlie Kaufman stuff that I can't stand. So Next to Key, New York is something that people thought was a masterpiece, and I think it's completely unwatchable. I mean, there's like literally pieces of shit in the movie. Uh, I, don't, I don't go to the movies to, to look inside people's toilet bowls. This banker controversy... I mean, it makes no sense to me. Like, why did they pull this movie? Just take the guy's name off of it, which, again, I'm not a fan of. I realize he wasn't really involved with the making or the creative decisions in the movie. This son of, you know, Bernard, whatever, uh, he just got a co-producer credit sort of as part of the rights deal. I'm not a fan of just stripping people of credit. I think that's really messed up because even bad people deserve credit for the, the good things that they did. Um, in this case, you know, maybe it, it's fair to strip him of the credit because it was just a rights deal. And he also volunteered. He didn't want to take away from his father's story. But, you know, in listening, you know, he he's keeps saying, well, if you, if you knew my sister Cynthia or whatever, then you'd know how suspicious some of these claims are and stuff like that. 
I don't. Yeah, like, like this woman's a lawyer. She, she's a smart woman, but and, and I'm not here to doubt the veracity of her claims. Something she may really feel like something happened to her and her sister when she was young. I just don't see what it has to do with this movie. And she's like, well, my mother, you know, was was a big part of of Bernard's life, and she's not in the movie, and she was with him at this point, which is depicted in the movie. So, so like, they're just calling into the question some of the real, like, that's not how movies are. Movies are not documentaries. You got to take a little dramatic license. You can't just be introducing a new second wife in the last 10 minutes of the movie. Like, it just makes no sense. And Apple, the fact that they just pulled it from AFI, pulled pulled the release and everything, it's not right. Uh, if you can't take the heat, Apple, get out of the kitchen. If you, like, movies are messy. Art is messy. And... If it's going to lead to bad PR and you're worried that that, P- that, that bad PR is going to you know, stop you from selling as many phones or laptops, then I get it. you got to protect your bottom line. You're a business. Get out of the movie business. That's what – you know. I, someone um, – right, the, the, the Dickinson producer who is absolutely killing me on Twitter, I have not responded to him. But I also refuse to block him because I, I do like hearing his perspective. But he's like, well, you know, why do you hate Apple? I don't hate Apple. I think Apple is is t- tough to deal with, um, but it, it, it's things like this that that is why. And I'm not saying that another studio, if this was you know a major studio, that they wouldn't have done the exact same thing. But Apple is in the business of selling products, and not you know I don't think of them as like making art. And just because you hire some executives who made art somewhere else doesn't mean that all of a sudden you know you're in that business. So I, I, I look forward to the things that, that Apple is going to make and acquire and, and showcase to the rest of the world because they have deep pockets. And, you know, if that means that bringing people's uncompromised visions to the screen, whether it's a big or small screen, then that's great. But, yeah, if you're going to censor or, or not let people enjoy this movie, The Banker, because of something that happened 30 years ago that, that may or may not happen. There's not like there's any police reports or anything like that. It's just, uh, I don't know. It, it, it just it, it leaves a sour taste in my mouth, as does Apple ha- signed uh, a $25 million deal for a Billie Eilish documentary. And I showed my ignorance uh, and went online and said, well, geez, I, you know, Billie Eilish could walk into this office right now. I'd have no idea who she was, and I don't think many people in our office would. My colleagues respectfully uh, disputed that, said that they would definitely recognize Billie Eilish. Uh, none of them could name a single song of hers, though, when I asked. Um, a few more minutes and we'll get to Fox Searchlight. I wanted to run down all the trailers and, and the movies that I've seen. Oh, and real quick, Mina Masood not auditioning since Aladdin came out. That's crazy. I don't know if that's like a failure of his agents, a failure of networks and studios and producers to not bring him in. But this is a billion dollar, uh, the star of a billion dollar movie, a handsome guy, uh, you know, a, a minority. And, you know, by all accounts, he wasn't bad in Aladdin. I didn't hear anybody trashing his performance. I don't know if he was a standout, but I just some, something weird is going on there. And, and, and some people, uh, reps that I've spoken to don't even believe it. They're like, oh, please, like he's definitely auditioned. Just that maybe he just hasn't booked anything. All right, trailers. The assistant trailer loved it. Julia Garner. That uh, this is the story of uh, it's it's like someone who's working for a Harvey Weinstein type character. It was just eerie how how uh, it captured the details and, and the way that assistants talk and you know assistants are like oh we'll just t- uh, the executive's wife keeps calling and they're like oh tell him he's in a screening. You know how many times I've heard that. And just the way that Julie Garner had to make the, the Xerox copies of all these headshots of actresses, and, it, and each one is probably a, you know a, a target or a victim of this Harvey Weinstein type character, and then the HR person, it just it all felt it felt like a goddamn horror movie, and I'm really looking forward to that one. Kitty Green um, is a documentary filmmaker. This is her, I guess, her feature debut. So. I don't I don't think that she would have entered into that lightly. The Mulan trailer dropped. I thought it looked good. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's like the sort of thing I'll be super pumped for, but I thought it looked better than like almost all of these Disney live action reboots. Um I think it could be a billion dollar movie. I mean, this this thing could be absolutely huge overseas. 
I'm 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 willing to give it a shot. I I think I was skeptical before, but I like what they've done with it. I just I guess the only thing that that raised an eyebrow for me is I think I feel like there were dragons in it, and I know it's a fairy tale, but I kind of would have liked something maybe a little bit more grounded. I, I guess you have to have those uh, fantastical elements to it in order to justify the budget, but and it is a gigantic budget. Listen, this is, the fact that Disney made this at all, I think, it is is great. Um, so, yeah, I, my my bet, I'll take the over on a billion. Uh, a couple of uh, other trailers, Troop Zero, I thought looked adorable. That's the movie from Bert and Birdie. And by the way, I saw, I was, like I said, I was reading these varieties. I think there was one from 2011 that announced their directorial debut, and. Uh, it's like, of course, it took eight more years or nine more years for this thing to land in theaters. It, you know, it looks like a cute movie for for young girls. Viola Davis and Allison Janney star. It's like a, a a talent show sort of thing. It's it's a kind of right down the pike uh, Amazon type of thing. Greed tra- uh, dropped a trailer. That's with Steve Coogan, Michael Winterbottom. That was interesting. All right, the big trailers obviously were No Time to Die, James Bond. I thought that looked pretty cool. I love the cast. I can't wait to see Rami Malek, uh, Honor de Armas, who was, you know, the best part of Knives Out, no doubt. Um, it just, I know, I know it's not uh, Sam Mendes, it's Cary Fukunaga this time, but I, I, I thought Bond looked good. Like, they're sending Daniel Craig out with a bang. Black Widow looked a little less cool. I, it was just that ScarJo voiceover. It was just so monotonous. Like, does she have any emotion? I'm so ready for Black Widow to just go away. She was never that interesting a character for me. Maybe she'll end up passing the torch to Florence Pugh, who's obviously a very hot rising star. You know, she could be the new Black Widow in, in the MCU. Why do these two sisters fight at the beginning of this trailer? Like, that that just, like, is something out of a movie. Like, you know, they're trying to kill each other, and then... It's it's all in good fun. It's just girls horsing around. Like, eh, trailer, tra- like the tone was weird. Even with with David Harbor as like Red Guardian or whatever the hell he is, I don't know. Looked like more of the same Marvel to me. Sundance lineup dropped. I, I put that out on Twitter. Like my top ten movies that I'm looking forward to. The Midnight lineup is really good this year. Hopefully I get a chance to go. You know, I, I've I've been asked if I wanted to go. I, I answered in the affirmative. I missed Sundance this year. There's something special about being in the mountains and underneath the stars there in Park City. But I, I do not have confirmation. I do not have a flight or anything yet. So we will see. The Boys Season 2, that trailer I think leaked. Uh there wasn't any dialogue, just a lot of splashes of blood and stuff. Sign me up. I love the boys on Amazon. It's probably the best thing that they've done along with uh, Too Old to Die Young. And I showed my dad and his, his girlfriend, Amy, the first episode of that. They were they didn't know what to make of it. They just thought it was so slow. And it is so slow, but it really does cast like a, a trance over you. Um, if you haven't seen Too Old to Die Young and you're making like a best TV of the year list. Make sure you, you carve out 13 hours for that over the holidays uh, and check that out on Amazon because that one just sort of came and went because Amazon didn't promote it at all. Saw a trailer for The True History of the Kelly Gang. That's from uh, Justin Kurzel. It's with George McKay, who's uh, is supposed to be great in 1917. Nicholas Holt, Russell Crowe, Essie Davis from The Babadook, Charlie Hunnam, Thompson McKenzie. Great cast. Loved the trailer. Not what I was expecting at all. From that, uh, it just had like a wonderful kind of punk energy. So looking forward to that. I love the trailer for HBO's The Outsider. Cannot wait for that with Ben Mendelsohn and Jason Bateman. And Jason Bateman's accused of a murder, but they have footage of him being somewhere else at the same time. Like, are there? How can how can one person be in two places at the same time? This is based on a Stephen King book, and I am excited to dive into that. Uh, the the Messiah trailer. I watched that. That's coming out on uh, Netflix, I think, in a couple of weeks. This is about a guy who claims to be Jesus. And there's another movie coming out, Three Christ, with like Peter Dinklage and Walton Goggins and Richard Gere about people who claim to be Jesus Christ. Uh, this guy in Messiah, though, is like pulling off actual miracles. But is it is he like a con artist? Is this like an elaborate scheme? Or are these actual miracles? Uh, I'm, I'm down to, to watch that. that. That's the kind of series I, I probably would have skipped. But with, with the right trailer, they, they pulled me in. 
I've, uh, I've, I was also enjoying uh, you over the Netflix break. I am embargoed on that season two of you, but uh, I got one episode left. That was a, it's just a great show to binge and a good show for couples to watch. Uh, that Penn Badgley is, is creepy. Um, what else? What else? What else? Movies that I saw. I saw A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, guys. It was like a minor miracle of a movie. I bawled my eyes out. It's just it's it's about forgiveness. I thought Matthew Reese was really good. Tom Hanks was great as Mr. Rogers. Some people are having issues with with his voice, saying maybe he doesn't sound like him. He nails, you know, the that gentle quality that is Mr. Rogers. And uh, I just thought this movie had a beautiful message. Mariel Heller, three for three after Diary of a Teenage Girl, and uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me, which we may be talking about or may not be talking about shortly when I talk about the Fox Searchlight movies. But I can't wait to see what she does next. I saw Clemency yesterday. Uh, You know, a a tough sit. But Alfre Woodard is is fantastic. Aldous Hodge blew me away. This guy, he's going to be a star. I You know, I I thought so on City on a Hill. He's he's the male lead in uh, Invisible Man. He's just got some some cool irons in the fire, and and I really have been impressed with him this year. Uh, 21 Bridges I saw while I was home. Um, I had fun with it. I thought it was, I don't know what, what 21 Bridges had to do with the movie. They could have just called it Two Tunnels or Four Rivers or anything that they shut down. But it's like the bad guys in this, I don't even think that they go to a bridge. And they're like, damn it, they closed the bridge. Um, I don't think they're even trying to get out of town. It was super predictable. You know immediately who the bad people are in this. But I had fun with it. And, and it really... Chadwick Boseman, he's got something. Like, I knew he could act, like, you know, as Jackie Robinson and James Brown, but those are also, like, impersonations. And it's not, like that. it's not that he did anything special with this. It's just, like, you know, kind of like a procedural or whatever. But, um, man, he would make a great Alex Cross. He just, yeah. I, I, I dig Chadwick. This went a long way towards that. Just Mercy, I saw. Another solid... Drama, same sort of thing as Clemency, you know, someone uh, on death row. In this case, Michael B. Jordan's fighting to get Jamie Foxx off of death row. I thought Tim Blake Nelson was really good. Check out Just Mercy uh, when it opens. That's from the director of Short Term 12. And then I saw Richard Jewell as well. And and they made a good uh, doubleheader because Richard Jewell, like Just Mercy, is about some a lawyer sort of trying to prove the innocence of, of another guy. Paul Walter Hauser was fantastic as Richard Jewell. Sam Rockwell was great. Sam Rockwell being kind of overlooked this award season, by the way. I loved what he brought to the table. Um, And Kathy Bates, also really, really good. You know, Olivia Wilde, John Hamm, they're kind of going a little big with their roles. But I I really like Clint's direction here. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't be be surprised if this somehow managed to sneak into the best picture field. It may be a long shot, but... It just, something about it spoke to me. I've always had a soft spot for, honestly, for, for overweight protagonists. And, and, you know, when Richard Jewell is saying, talking about how everyone, you know, used to call him lardass or fatso or whatever. And, and like, this is, a, this is a good guy, a hero who, who, you know, put his life on the line, kind of. And the way that, he, that you know, his reputation is assaulted uh, by the press and the FBI, it's just, uh, it's sad. It's sad. Um, and as for everybody, like, drawing the Trump stuff to it, because those are his two favorite targets, the media and the FBI, Trump has nothing to do with this story, okay? It's set in the mid-'90s. People always want to bring current politics into things, and particularly because it's Clint Eastwood and he's a prominent Republican. Get out of here with that Trump talk. It's ridiculous. Uh, guys, make sure to watch the, the uh, new episode of uh, FYC for your consideration. It's me and Scott Mance taking on the supporting actress category. It's a good episode. Things get a little heated without Perry sitting between the boys. Uh, so it's a good debate. Get it? Kathy Bates. No. Anyways. Um, and next week I've got a fun up-and-comer feature. I don't want to give away who it is yet, but I think you could probably guess because I did tweet out that hashtag, bigger, longer uncut and this was certainly uncut this uh, this performer is very uncut and uh yeah it's it's a good interview so be sure to check that out all right now as teased on twitter fox searchlight is celebrating 25 years i am going to run down my favorite 25 fox searchlight movies now there were some tough cuts to make here 
I had to cut two Best Picture winners for Christ's sake. That's right. And I think they only have three. So, some honorable mentions uh, just just to get those out of the way. Birdman and the Shape of Water. Both good movies. Very good movies. Didn't make my list. One Hour Photo. Really like that movie. Didn't make my list. Same with Notes on a Scandal. Jackie. 127 Hours. Can You Ever Forgive Me? Oh, it didn't make it. The Descendants. Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. These are my honorable mentions. I think there's, uh, what, nine of them? Yeah, nine. Um, yeah, to very very tough cuts. Like, freaking Notes on a Scandal is, is really fun. That's where Kate Blanchett sleeps with a student, and then Judy Dench finds out about it. And it's, it's a, that's a crazy, uh, that's a really fun thriller. Natalie Portman's incredible, and Jackie, James Franco's incredible in, in 127 Hours. Melissa McCarthy's great, and Can You Ever Forgive Me? Keaton's great in Birdman. Um, God, I mean, Robin Williams in One Hour Photo is absolutely chilling. But they didn't make me feel like these 25 movies did. So without further ado, here we go. And number 25 is The Sessions. That is the movie with John Hawks and Helen Hunt. And John Hawks is, is like a guy who's never had sex, so he has to pay a sex surrogate to to take his virginity, obviously he, he's uh, you know trapped in, trapped in bed basically. Um, I just thought it was a beautiful movie uh, about honestly it's a, it's about sex and about the power of sex and and you know just how how important physical touches and people have really forgotten about it. But I, I remember it being like my second or third favorite movie the year that it came out. Um, so I wanted to find a place for it, and I decided to stick it at number 25 over something like probably The Shape of Water was the last movie cut. At number 24, Young at Heart. This is a documentary about the old folks' choir and the, and the choir master, and it, it just it really was about the power of music and how— you know, it gave these older folks something to look forward to. And, you know, sometimes they mess up the lyrics and they can't remember what the words are. Or, and some of the compositions that, that uh, the choir master has them do are, are, can be a little tricky. But there's just something about old old people that, uh, that melts my heart. And so Young at Heart had to have a spot on the list. They were going to do a feature uh, adaptation of that a while ago. I think I'd heard names like Paul Rudd being bandied about. But it never came to fruition. That's too bad. Uh, speaking of old people, The Old Man and the Gun is number 23. Just love this Robert Redford movie. It it sent him off into the sunset absolutely perfectly. I love the direction from David Lowry. Um, yeah, it was just kind of like a beautiful but like very still entertaining movie. Great performances all around. Yeah, The Old Man and the Gun. Can't go wrong. 22, 2, 2, win, win. Tom McCarthy's wrestling movie with Paul Giamatti. This, is, again, was like my first or second favorite movie of the year that it came out. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's not one that I've really gone back to. I think I saw it one other time since that initial you know, festival debut or whatever. But um, there's something about win-win that just wins me over. It's, it's a weird family movie involving like this... I don't know, wrestling prodigy in a sense. Uh, it's it's not, let's just say it's not the only movie about a wrestler on my list. But yeah, there was just something, it's like, a, you know, a quirky comedy. Tom, Listen, Tom McCarthy's a great filmmaker and there's a lot of uh, heart and humanity in this film. Uh, so I had to find a spot for it. Same with number 21, Demolition. I was showing my list uh, to Aaron Taylor Johnson and Sam Taylor Johnson, because they were sitting, uh, they were on Collider Live this morning, and they were sitting in the waiting room. And I was like, "Oh, can I get you your guys like favorite Searchlight movie?" And Aaron Taylor Johnson raised an eyebrow over Demolition. And listen, it's totally fair, but that movie just spoke to me personally. This is the one where Jake Gyllenhaal loses like his his fiance and has to just like you know, rebuild his life. And there was just something so personal about it. In fact, I, it moved me so much that I ended up reaching out to the screenwriter, Brian Seip. And we had a long lunch, like an hour and a half long lunch. And I recorded the whole thing. And I meant to do like a whole feature piece on him. 
and things just got too crazy, and I think I got let go from the rap shortly thereafter, and I, it never ran. So that's one of those that maybe at, like, the 20-year anniversary of demolition or something crazy like that, maybe I'll try to go back into the, the Jeff Snyder archives and find that interview and get it tra- pay to get it transcribed because it's so goddamn long and put it out there because Brian Sipe really has an amazing story. It's based on his life, and, and Jake Gyllenhaal, obviously one of the greatest actors of his generation. If you have missed that very small movie, try and check out Demolition. And number 20, Never Let Me Go. That's with uh, Keira Knightley and Andrew Garfield and Carrie Mulligan. And, like, it's about clones and people who find th- these three characters who find out that they're clones and that the whole point of their existence is to, you know, grow up and, and you know, harvest these these organs in case the original copies of them ever need them. Uh, and it's just a heartbreaking, like, masterwork. Mark, I think that's Mark Romanek. And, and it may have even be the last movie that Romanek did. Romantic. I don't know. How, I, I never knew how to pronounce his last name, um, but it, just a gorgeous, a gorgeous movie with such soul to it. Number nineteen, maybe a little controversial. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I mean, to me, this is one of the best performances of the decade Fran- with Frances McDormand. Uh, obviously, she won. Sam Rockwell won. This is just a really good movie. You know, people may say, oh, only a racist with like three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Don't be silly. Um, it's it's a great script. I understand why it, it didn't win Best Picture. Um, and, it, and it may not be a movie that I even go back to, but there's something about it. Woody Harrelson, uh, when you know, when he kills himself and everything. Ooh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. I, I'm a big three billboards guy. Number 18, The Ice Storm, Ang Lee. Sigourney Weaver, Kevin Klein, the, the, the keys and the bowl and, and God, Christina Ricci, Elijah Wood, the electrocution scene, Toby Maguire. I mean, it's the ice storm is something that really holds up and it's very different than, than the other stuff that Ang Lee has done. Listen, I'm not I'm not a film critic. I can't wax poetic about all these movies. It's just it's just a really good movie. And I had to have a spot for it. Number 17, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. This was like a, a big, I think it was like a Sundance acquisition maybe. I don't know if they made it or if they acquired it. But, you know, another quirky, eccentric comedy that will also make you cry. Olivia Cook was devastating in this. I really like Thomas Mann, um, R.J. Seiler. Like, just what a, what a moving movie. With so much heart. I was a big fan. Uh, Let's see. Number 16. Patty Cakes is number 16. That's right. I had to play it, guys. (coughs) Excuse me. Patty Cakes, top five movie from 2017. Nobody watched it. Nobody went to see it. It was a, a big uh, festival acquisition, and then they just didn't know how to market it. Danielle McDonald, I think, is is an excellent actress. You may have seen her in the Netflix series Unbelievable. Uh, she's she's someone who's going to be around in twenty years. I really believe that. Um, yeah, I, and the, and the beats that that Jeremy Jasper came up with in this, I love the soundtrack. Like I listened to it on the way to work. It's kind of almost kind of what, what inspired me to do this list today. I was like, I, someone needs to talk about patty cakes, um, which has just all been all, all but forgotten, uh, even though it only came out two years ago. Number fifteen. Let's go back to the early days of Searchlight, along with uh, the Ice Storm, and that's the Full Monty. The Full Monty is hilarious. Like, I remember being kind of scared to see it. Like, I was, a, you know, a young boy, and I was like, oh, this is a movie about male strippers. Like, should I be seeing this? Is this appropriate for me? Uh, is it going to turn me gay if I see The Full Monty? I'm, I, you know, The Full Monty is awesome. You know, great to see Robert Carlyle do something a bit different than, than Train Spotting, which he's also really well known for. Uh, and this movie has such heart. Tom Wilkinson's great in it. Mark Addy. God. Um, if you haven't seen The Full Monty, I, I want to, you know, I may have to show that to Stephanie. 
That, that's just a, a winning movie. It's a, it's a goddamn delight. Uh, number 14, a little bit tougher watch, but absolutely devastating. Boys Don't Cry. Kimberly Pierce. She was at the party, too, uh, last night. I should have I said hello. I really wanted to because I'm very curious what she's been working on. I always want her to do that movie, The Brand. Boys Don't Cry, though. Hilary Swank, Chloe Sevigny, Brendan Sexton third. Just a, a fantastic film, a, a film about trans visibility, about acceptance, about a lack of acceptance uh, in, in certain communities. And um, it's horrible what happened to, to Brandon Tina. So, you know, it, it may not be uh, fun for the whole family on Friday night, but if you haven't seen Boys Don't Cry, force yourself to watch it, please. At number 13, Sideways. Might be higher on a lot of people's lists. Sideways is, is, is really good. It's a it's a great film about friendship. Uh, Paul Giamatti, Tom, Thomas A. Church has never been better. Um, and it, and it's very very funny. I'm just I'm not a wine kind of guy, so some of like the wine stuff in this like doesn't have the, the 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 full impact. I think this would probably be a top five Mark Riley movie if you catch me. Um, but it is you know certainly one of the best written movies on this list now you know one of my favorite alexander uh, alexander Payne movies for sure number 12 eh, it's got 12 in the title um that's how i do it 12 years a slave kind of i mean it's a great movie i don't know that i'll ever watch it again but i can't recall like a it's one of the best movies about slavery. Fastbender is absolutely chilling. Lupita Nyong'o's terrific. Chua Del Ejiofor is amazing. It would be remiss of me not to have included 12 Years a Slave on this. You know, like, that's part of the studio's history. And it's just really damn good. Again, I don't know that I'll ever see it again. It's like a Schindler's List in that regard. But, uh, you know, seeing it once, is it, it, it burns itself onto your brain. Number 11, Black Swan. Darren Aronofsky's just fever dream of, of a horror movie involving ballet and Natalie Portman won an Oscar. It's a tour de force performance. Love everything about it. Loved Barbara Hershey, Mila Kunis. Like, Black Swan is, is wild. It's a wild ride. And it's dark and twisted and fucked up. And that's my kind of movie. Um, number 10, Jojo Rabbit. If you haven't seen it yet, get your ass to a theater and see it. It will make you laugh and cry in equal measure. I totally understand why it has been divisive, and some people just can't wrap their heads around, you know, laughing at, at Jewish jokes and making, uh, you know, giving Nazis these, these laughs. But it's not. You just don't understand the perspective that the film is being told from. Like this is, this is how it would have felt to a young boy. Who just wants to fit in, who wants to be a part of the Hitler youth, who thinks that Nazis are the coolest thing and, you know, grows up idolizing Adolf Hitler. It's, I think that, that, that Jojo Rabbit does an incredible job of explaining some very complex issues to, uh, to, to young people. I think that, that's why young people need to see this movie. Taika Waititi did an excellent job with it. Number nine, another Steve McQueen movie, Shame. If there is a movie uh, that... <laughs> you know echoed my life more than any other and may very well be this movie which speaks uh which tells you what kind of life i've had um shame is fucking nuts like i don't think fastbender has ever been better it is a devastating portrait of addiction and i mean specifically sex addiction and and, and loneliness and I don't know. It's very, very difficult to explain, but I had a very, you know, powerful personal reaction to this. I think I saw it even you know, if I if I had seen this movie a few years later, it may have even hit me harder than it did. Because I don't think it's I don't think it's perfect, but I think it it's very accurate. Um yeah, shame. I mean, God, that that that's close close to a masterpiece. We're, we're starting to enter, starting to enter masterpiece territory. I mean, I think that there's probably two or three on this list. Um, number eight, twenty eight days later, one of the best. I know they're not zombies per se, but one of the best zombies slash horror movies of the decade of the last twenty years for sure. Danny Boyle 
crush this. Love the energy. Love how dark it was. Uh, Killian Murphy, Naomi Harris is amazing. The soundtrack, like Godspeed You Black Emperor, fantastic. That's, that, that track is called East Hastings. Download East Hastings right now if you haven't. 28 Days Later just it hasn't lost any of its power. It's a great Halloween watch. And number seven, Sexy Beast. I love this movie. Yeah, I'll pull it out. I'll pull it out on your eyeball. Pull it out on your eyeball. Yeah, that's right. Ben Kingsley, ferocious. I don't know if he's ever been better uh, as Don Logan. Love this movie. Love Ray Winstone. Love Ian McShane. It's so stylish. It's it's dark. The, the 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 screenplay is fantastic. If you had told me Quentin Tarantino had written the screenplay, I, I'd say, oh, interesting. I, I didn't know that. Um, Jonathan Glazer. This is definitely his best movie. I love Birth too, but when I see like Under the Skin being put on best of the decade list, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Sexy like Sexy Beast is so much better than Under the Skin. Cahiers do cinema. You're killing me. Uh, six is Little Miss Sunshine. This is sort of like the definitive Fox Searchlight movie. When people think Fox Searchlight, they think Juno, Napoleon Dynamite, and Little Miss Sunshine. And of those three, Little Miss Sunshine is the one that does it for me. Tony Collette, Steve Carell, Alan Arkin, Paul Dano, and of course, little Abigail Breslin. This is just a fantastic family movie, road movie. It wins you over, puts a smile on your face. Um, yeah, it's it's a goddamn delight. Dayton and Ferris absolutely crushed this one. And, you know, Michael Arndt. It's, it's a hell of a screenplay. It launched his career. Number five, in keeping with my 12 years a slave bit and 28 days later being at eight, number five is 500 days of summer. Uh, still heartbreaking. Like, I, of all the, like, I guess outside of shame, maybe, of all the protagonists I could relate to uh, in Fox Searchlight movies, it, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, is up there for me. We've all had our heart broken. We've all pined for maybe the wrong girl. I love, you know, the split screen scene in this. It brings my girlfriend to tears every time. Um, new New Saturn Weber. Th- this is like an incredible screenplay. Uh, Mark Webb did a great job. Five Hundred Days of Summer is just, it's awesome, and it. I think that it will endure over the years. Number four. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, where is the Grand Budapest Hotel on this list? It's not there, guys. I know, it's wild. Uh, there is instead another Wes Anderson movie for me. I had to have Wes Anderson represented. It wasn't Grand Budapest. It wasn't Isle of Dogs. It's Darjeeling Limited. Darjeeling Limited is my number four. I have two brothers. Uh, the story of these three brothers, you know, traveling across India to, to find their mother. Um, it just, I, I watched it earlier this year on, mushrooms i think i don't know if it was mushrooms or acid i was doing something crazy earlier this year and watched uh, darjeeling limited and it's wonderful i just i you know wes anderson's one of my favorite filmmakers and i don't know if this is like his no i love moonrise kingdom as well but darjeeling is underrated within his filmography i would have to say it is up there with with tenenbaums and, and rushmore for me and a lot of it has to do with obviously having two, two brothers because they just nailed the sibling interplay here. Um, so, yeah, sorry, but it, it was better th- uh, for me than Grand Budapest for sure. Number three is finally a Best Picture winner. Slumdog Millionaire, another Danny Boyle uh, movie in the top ten. Slumdog is just, it's a great movie. There's suspense to it. There's romance to it. The stakes are high. Um, like, it's just exciting. It's it's exciting. Like, this and, uh, I guess, Darjeeling both, you know, set in India, basically. Um, I don't know, there's something about that culture maybe that, that speaks to me, but I, I loved Dev Patel in this movie. He's fantastic. Frida Pinto, yeah. Slumdog rules, and you will not get me to change my mind on that. 
Number two is a legitimate masterpiece, and that's The Wrestler. Uh, Darren Aronofsky, I don't know if this is like, I don't know if it's his best movie, because I think Requiem is also fucking incredible, and I love The Fountain too. But The Wrestler, like Mickey Rourke gives one of the great screen performances as, as Randy the Ram Robinson. I love Marissa Tomei in this. Uh, Evan Rachel Wood is great. The The end of this movie just kills me when he's jumping off that top rope and he knows he may never be able to climb back up there. But for him, it's worth it to, to, to hear the crowd yelling his name and chanting his name. It's, uh, yeah, The Wrestler is a, is a special, special movie. Which brings me to number one. I had to really think about this one. Um, but in the end, it, was, it just sort of embodied what Fox Searchlight is to me. And it's about discovery. And it's about breaking new talents. And, you know, just it's about heart. And, and, and so this was my, my number one. Scratching at the surface now And I'm trying hard to work it out And so much has gone misunderstood And this mystery only leads to doubt That's right, guys, it's once. Uh, John Carney, this tale of two musicians coming together it's heartbreaking it I watched it on Valentine's Day earlier this year and it still has every ounce of its power you better say it now cause this is what you've waited for a chance to even up the score Come on, guys, sing it with me. Because I'm picking up the message, love. And I'm closer than ever been before. Say it to me now, folks. Say it to me now on Twitter, on YouTube, in the comments. I don't know where the hell this podcast is. But uh, let me know what you think of this Fox Searchlight list. Once is number one in my book. Call me crazy. I just love those two kids. That'll do it for this episode of the Snyder Cut, guys. Sorry to uh, force you to listen to my singing. Uh, Also, when I'm sick, I don't really have my full range of pipes there. I could have hit those high notes but I decided to spare you, uh, or did I? Uh, make sure to rate, comment, subscribe, tell a friend, share it, blah, 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 blah. We'll be back next week, and that may even be our last show before the holiday break. I don't know uh, what the deal is with production here. I don't know if they're coming in after next Friday. Uh, may, I may have to pay somebody to come on in so I can get one more episode in at the end of 2019, do like a, a top 10 of 2019, maybe a best of the decade list. Who knows? I got to work on those. But, uh, you know, I got to do some more lists because they don't let me do them on Collider.com. Excuse me. They don't even ask me to participate in them. And probably for good reason. I got a lot on my plate anyways. Writing out a list, doing all the, the photos and the formatting. It's, it's a lot of effort, so it's a lot easier to just come on here and, and talk about it on the podcast. So thank you for listening. I'm at the Insnider on Twitter and Instagram and Cameo. Thanks to the guy who bought a Cameo for me over Thanksgiving. I'm sorry I was sick when I recorded it, but I hope that you, that you got your, your research uh, program up and running. Um, that's it, guys. Have a great Friday. Enjoy the weekend. Showdown spectaculars tomorrow. Maybe I'll see you there. Maybe I won't. Bye. 
Shop Black Friday week deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $8.49. Toastmaster small appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday week deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Office valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.